I'd like to talk tonight about faith and the relationship of faith to the development of wisdom. The practice that we're doing here is Vipassana, which one translation is to be able to see clearly, to be able to see the way things are, to be able to see the truth. And we do this by paying very close attention to our experience, moment by moment. So the Vipassana practice is not about how we want things to be, but it's about how things really are. And the goal of the practice is wisdom. The goal is liberation that comes through our understanding of how things are. It's, um, the wisdom is based on our direct experience of how things are. Faith and its opposite doubt are important aspects of the practice because if we uh, have doubt as a major part of our experience, whether it's doubt in ourselves or doubt in the practice or doubt in the teaching or doubt in the teachers, uh, the doubt paralyzes us. It can overwhelm us. Uh, And because the doubt has this aspect of paralyzing us, we're not able to pay attention to our moment-to-moment experience. And because it's by paying attention that uh, this brings wisdom, and the more we develop the understanding, the more we have faith. Uh, The more we have doubt, the less we have the wisdom, and then the less faith, and it becomes a vicious cycle. So I'll be interweaving mostly aspects of faith and mindfulness with a little bit about doubt tonight. And I hope for you to feel inspired to keep going with your practice. Sometimes um, after the first day of sitting, it can get kind of heavy the first night. I think it's quite interesting to reflect on the times in our life where we've really been inspired to search for understanding. You know, what is it that uh, wakes us up out of the darkness of ignorance? And these moments where we start to wonder about, well, what are we doing here as human beings? And what is life? What is death? Who am I? All these very important spiritual questions, they start quite young. And hopefully they continue throughout our life. For me, the experience of seeing my mother sick when I was very young and then go through a process of dying uh, affected me more deeply than anything, I think, in my life. Uh, The power of that as a child to be 
have that openness of a child and to watch this decay uh, and this loss of control uh, inspired me to search deeply when I was young. And, And I think that looking back on it was a great gift that she gave me. I think there are many ways in which this reflection on, well, what is, what is life? What is the meaning of being here? Uh, can happen in many ways. I have a memory of having the same boy in my elementary school classes. He was in my kindergarten class, my first grade class, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And he grew up behind a bar. He, he grew up in probably the worst section of the town I grew up in. And every day I walked by the place where he lived on my way to school. And I remember just wondering, well, why, why does he have to live there? And why is it, why it, I could see, even in kindergarten, that it was, just seems too hard that where he lived and his family. And, and I could see it just getting harder and harder for him. And then in sixth grade, he was in a car accident and died with his brothers. Uh, and that affected me so deeply. I didn't ever have a talking relationship with him. But somehow I cared about him because I, I lived through these years with him and I couldn't understand you know, why did he have to go through that? Uh, anything like this, any way in which we're affected by something, and we start to wonder, well, why? You know, what, what, is, what is going on here? We all have these moments in our life that, and people and situations that affect us, and they're real important, they're valuable, they're something to honor, because they help to wake us up to search how else would we get here in this room doing what we're doing? So why is there suffering? Um, what is the experience of faith in this world? When we experience faith that's born out of some understanding Uh, of how life is, we usually will feel more at home in life. And when we experience doubt, we usually feel lost. I found a poem this year by a man named David Wagoner called Lost. Lost. Stand still, the trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes, listen, it answers, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. 
No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. So we've come here on the retreat to stand still, to be still. And there are times when we notice the doubt and the feeling of being lost, of that feeling of being separate or alienated. Wisdom or understanding is seeing clearly that we're not separate or alienated. Uh, we see that there's something much deeper. And the faith comes from understanding uh, this on deeper and deeper levels. So this poem is, is like a call to awaken faith in us. Home is, or the quality or experience of being home is whenever we're in the present moment fully. We're not lost in the past, we're not lost in the future, but we're here. If we don't experience a moment of our life with awareness, in that moment we're lost. That moment is lost in us. But in the next moment, if we bring awareness to that moment, to our experience, we're at home again. Uh, there's this possibility in any moment of being awake. So when we're able to come to this place of stillness in the practice, in the meditation, and at first we need to anchor the attention to do this, uh, the happiness and the peace find us. Understanding is natural. Uh, happiness is natural. Peace is natural. It's, it's just allowing ourselves to be still enough and quiet enough for it to um, appear for us, for us to discover it. Whenever we shut down, whenever we uh, become numb, when we don't want to be here, when we indulge ourselves in any fantasy, when we're not um, in the present moment, uh, this is a way in which the doubt um, paralyzes us because it's out of that feeling of being lost that we're less and less in the present moment. Uh, and that this kind of thoughts that will happen is, you know, I can't do this. 
or I'm no good, or how am I going to get through three months of this? Maybe you thought that once today. (laughs) What did I sign up for this again for? Uh, Those are are doubting thoughts. So whenever we notice ourselves shutting down or fantasizing, when we're not in the past or the future, what's interesting is that if we can just be mindful of that, all we have to do is be aware of it. When we notice it, we can begin again. And that's mostly what you'll notice yourself doing, especially these early days, is noticing that, lost, okay, just come back. Okay, just come back. It's simple. Um, And it's out of this ability to begin again and to begin again and to begin again that a faith in ourselves to keep going no matter what occurs. And this brings a tremendous amount of confidence in ourselves, in our ability to do the practice. Uh, And this is very important. In any moment of pure awareness, when we're not lost in the past, when we're not lost in the future, uh, there's no aversion and no greed in the mind occurring. And that moment of pure awareness can be so powerful, we feel at home. And this happens for us a lot. You know, any moment you remember to come back and just actually experience that moment fully, we're at home. It's out of this, it's out of this being in the present moment that we start to develop understanding of how life is. And there's more and more freedom that comes, that's born out of this understanding. So out of the ability to be in the present moment, out of the stillness, out of the solitude, out of this ability just to be and let things be, uh, we gradually start to have experiences that are deeper than what we're usually having um, on the surface of things. It's like the awareness or mindfulness starts to be be able to penetrate more deeply how things are. And we start to understand life on deeper and deeper levels. We start to see that there is something deeper than life and death, appearances, disappearances. The quality of faith is like a, a surrender to life just as it is. And it's not the experience of just enduring. It's, um, and it's not the experience of submission. Uh, but it's this deep surrender of... Uh, it's a surrender to life as it is with, with understanding. Often children affect us our hearts, because they come into this world often with an innocent trust and an innocent faith. But if you look closely at that kind of innocent faith, it's not based on the hard knocks 
of life. It's not based on the hard knocks of experience. Children aren't able to understand great pain or difficulty because the mind is too soft. It's unable to open to pain. And if we look very closely at what doubt is, it's often the inability to open to a painful experience. And because we haven't been able to open to it, we haven't been able to understand it, and we become afraid of pain rather than able to understand it. So there's a difference between like an innocent faith and a mature faith. In this practice, what we're doing is developing a mature faith. It's a faith that's based on how life is. It's based on that life includes the pleasant and unpleasant. And can we open to all of experience, not just pleasurable experience? The last course I taught was in Switzerland just this past month. And there are many beautiful churches around uh, the retreat center where we were. There was one just in the forest behind the retreat center. And on the weekends, a lot of families would come with their children and bring their children into the church and then have the children light candles and say a prayer. And I would love to be there just sitting in there watching, you know, hearing the family come, you know, talking and having fun and really loud and laughing. And they'd come to the church and then the the parents would go, shh, to the kids, you know, (laughs) And you'd notice them, you know, their eyes get big and opening this huge old door in a big stone church and walking in. uh, And these churches are very old, so they have this uh, history of sacred faith. Uh, and this, you can just see this transformation of the children coming in and this uh, innocent kind of reverence for that sacredness and loving, loving the um, feeling in the church, loving to light the candles. And these, these um, experiences are very powerful for us as children. This ability to have this bright, brightness of mind, brightness of faith around, say, in Asia, it will happen when a person walks in and sees a Buddha. There's a history, incredible history, of, of just this immediate faith when they see a Buddha. This is, this is an innocent faith. And then through the meditation practice, we can start to develop a maturity of faith that is based on something, um, an experience that is very deep of how life is. Mature faith faith is verified by our own understanding. One of the aspects of life that we can start to understand when we pay attention to life is that life 
is a stream of change. One of the beauties of a long retreat like this is uh, the stillness that can come for us. And out of the stillness, the quality of exploration is so profound. When we start to look very closely at moment-to-moment change, we start to see that with each moment of consciousness, there's a pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling. And you'll hear us talking about this a lot during this retreat, you know, that we have no control over that life will be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral in any given moment, and that it's constantly changing. So out of seeing this over and over again, we start to understand that anything can happen. (laughs) And we never know what's going to happen. And we might ask ourselves, like, why is it so hard to just simply be in the present moment? You know, it's such a good idea. You know, and we, when we experience it, we think, you know, why can't, it's so wonderful. What is it about life that it's so hard, you know? Why is it so hard to flow with life just as it is? Uh, and the, Buddha, the Buddha's understanding of suffering uh, happened on such a deep level. You know, he taught that if we can take the time to be still and to look really closely at how life is, we can see that suffering isn't the presence of pain and it isn't the presence of pleasure in our lives, but that suffering is reacting to the passing of pleasure with attachment. And that happens because a pleasure feels so good and we identify with that pleasure as me or I, or mine, and we hold on to the pleasurable experience, even when it passes, even when the river of life changes, we hold on, and that holding on is this incredible contraction in the mind, and it's really painful. And because we feel so separate, and the other way that we we suffer is reacting to unpleasant feelings with fear, and aversion. Even though we can't control the stream of pleasure and pain coming and going, we identify with the pain as being mine, or I, or me, and we push it away. And just like when we hold on, the pushing away is a contraction in the mind, and that's when we feel like an I. That's when we feel separate, and it's so painful for us even if it's a little bit of aversion or a little bit of attachment, it's it's really painful. When we're pushing away, whether it's very tightly or, you know, very lightly, or when we're holding on, we're not flowing with life and there's no balance. So the pain and the pleasure are not a problem if we're protected by the presence of mindfulness. Mindfulness is what enables us to develop this mature faith 
this mature faith, faith includes this ability to open to pain, to see it clearly, and to understand it. I had a recurring nightmare for a lot of my life. And in the, in the nightmare, I would be on this beautiful beach, and it was a beach that I knew as a child, a nice sandy beach. Uh, and I would just have swum, and I would be starting up this very huge uh, sandy cliff behind me. So I would turn around in the dream and start to climb up the sandy cliff, and a tidal wave would come. And I'd never seen a tidal wave, so in my dream it would come as this huge wave, and it would come and it would wash me down into the water, and I'd be struggling and almost drowning, and I'd crawl up onto <laughs> the beach. And uh, then another wave would come, uh, and I'd start up the cliff after struggling out of that one, and it would kind of go on and on. I didn't understand, you know, what was going on at that time that I was having these nightmares, but I would know that I was afraid. You know, I would know that the the tidal wave seemed like a lot of fear. When I did my first meditation retreat in 1975 for two weeks, after that retreat, I had this nightmare, but I would have called it a dream after that, I had the, the tidal wave come, and I, would, um, I got up to the top of the cliff, and I turned around and looked at the wave. And even at that time, I had such a deep appreciation for the change that had occurred. Even in one retreat, you know, my whole relationship to these waves had changed. I was able to look at them for the first time. Uh, And the the power of this is enormous, and the implications for the power of the practice is is extraordinary. How do we manage to face life as it is? without drowning in the waves of experience. For some people, it might not be a tidal wave. It might just be a little wave. Um, But the waves of experience of life, whether they're pleasurable or unpleasant or neutral, are very difficult for us to actually experience. How much of our life do we really experience? and come to understand. So over over the years of practice, I started to see that mindfulness had three aspects, which I think are helpful at times to keep in mind, especially in a long retreat, because we can apply mindfulness to anything that's happening. It doesn't have to be Uh, an unpleasant tidal wave, it can be a very powerful, a pleasant feeling that has a grip on us. So these, mindfulness has three aspects, recognition, acceptance, 
and non-identifying. For example, if something unpleasant happens and fear arises in our experience, we usually deny or resist that the fear is happening. And recognition is very simply being able to go, oh, oh, fear is happening. It's very simple. So in that moment of recognition, oh, fear, we shift from being overpowered by the fear to having a relationship with the fear. And this is, this is the power of the mindfulness, is shifting to a relationship with what's happening. You know, we're, we're not drowning in the experience of the tidal wave. We're not drowning, but we're recognizing what's happening. We're observing what's happening. And in that shift to observing, we change our way of relating to it. For example, with thinking. You know, we can be lost in thoughts for maybe five minutes, ten minutes, but the moment where we note, oh, thinking, thinking, you know, that shift um, to just noticing that the thinking is happening is, is freedom. We're not caught in those thoughts anymore. We're not lost. So the process of recognition, saying, oh, thinking, or oh, fear, it may seem incredibly simple, um, and it is. <laughs> it's incredibly simple, but it's so difficult to do, in a, you know, maintaining it over and over. Uh, so it's that practice of it that's so important. And being able to come here for a long retreat, it's such a gift because we get to practice it and practice it. So the first aspect of mindfulness is recognition, and the second is acceptance. And the acceptance helps us to overcome the resistance to what's happening. Usually the first day of retreat, we notice there's a lot of resistance happening. So for example, if fear is happening, we might want to accept that fear is happening, but there has to be a willingness to open to the fear and actually experience it, even if it's unpleasant. Uh, So if something's unpleasant, the resistance is really not liking that it's there. Uh, And it's this not liking that it's there, it's um, the resistance to the experience that's so painful. And again, it might sound simple, but, but it's because our heart or our mind is closing off to what's true in that moment. In that closing off or shutting down to life as it is, that it's that shutting down where we feel separate. And that's, that's where we suffer. When I was in my early years of meditating, I remember having a real vivid experience of this intense fear arising. And I asked myself, oh, what am I going to do with all this fear? You know, have you had those moments where you think, what am I going to do with all this anger, or whatever it is, all this doubt, or all this whatever it is, what am, what am I going to do with it? And then I thought, 
maybe I could try accepting it. And, you know, recognition sounds really simple, and acceptance sounds really simple. You know, why, why don't I try accepting this? Uh, but we can't always do it. It takes a lot of energy to be really interested in the fear or whatever it is, the doubt or whatever it is. Um, we have to let go of any ideas that we have about it and just drop into that unknown of actually experiencing it for the first time. Oh, I thought I got rid of that. You know, <laughs> I thought, I don't want to look at that again. Uh, but again, it's that beginner's mind where we go, oh, I wonder what fear is, or I wonder what the breath is. Even though I've experienced breath 10 billion times, you know, can I... Can I look at this for the first time? Acceptance is what gives us this chance to explore what's happening and then learn to work with it skillfully. So instead of closing off to unpleasantness, acceptance helps us to open to it. And this gives us the chance to truly experience it. It's this acceptance that helps us move from immature faith to mature faith. If we can accept the presence of pain in our human life, we can explore it, understand it. And it's out of the understanding that freedom comes and the mature faith. It's acceptance that lets us just let the pain be. So much of the practice is learning to let things be. Say a a painful emotion such as anger arises, often we think and think about the anger and we get involved in feeling right or justifying what we're feeling or blaming. And this is like drowning in the tidal wave. Uh, and the drowning in the tidal wave, which is thinking about what's happening, thinking about the anger, is actually avoiding experiencing it. When we can start to explore anything that's happening, whether it's the breath or whether it's the sound, like the sound of the cricket right now, or whether it's fear, when we can explore deeply and directly from this very still place of awareness, there's a possibility of letting, letting things be, experiencing them, and then letting them go. But we can't let something go unless we've experienced it. So the mindfulness has the three aspects of recognition and acceptance, And the last is non-identifying, which I'll just go over very briefly. The non-identification with what's happening is what brings this great space in the mind. It brings space in the heart. It it brings liberation. Non-identification means that we're not taking what's happening personally. 
And the mindfulness is actually stronger than the experience because it simply observes experience. So say if fear is happening, we can develop the strength to not identify with the fear as I or me or mine. And we start to discover that our true home is being aware of the fear, not the fear. It's just like shifting to watching the wave rather than drowning in it. Uh, And this is a revolution. Eventually the waves of fear or whatever come and go, but the waves don't disturb the awareness. So we can start to learn to be at home by resting in awareness, which is like being on the cliff and turning around to observe the waves. So if anything is happening, whether it's the sound of the cricket now, or doubt, or fear, or anger, arises in our mind, instead of believing, you know, oh no, not this again, or I, don't, I can't be with this, uh, we can say, well, maybe I can try accepting what's happening. And then we can open to our experience and let whatever's happening live its life out from a resting place. From, and it's a very natural place, this awareness. And you notice we start the days of meditation very simply with letting sounds come and go, and the breath come and go, and body sensations come and go, because it's easier to do this with breath body, sound, than with mental states or difficult emotions or thoughts. But over time, just as we can let a sound arise and pass and we let it be, we can do this with anything that's happening. We can learn not to identify with any experience. Uh, And this is done by seeing clearly that the fear isn't mine or the sound isn't mine, or the breath isn't mine. The mindfulness treats each wave of our experience equally, and it doesn't value one wave over another wave. The mindfulness brings freedom, and the mindfulness enables us to live very fully in the present moment, whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, without losing balance. So we see clearly that sounds, body sensations, breath, thoughts, emotions, mental states, they're not personal, they just come and go. Uh, And we can rest in the awareness of them. And the awareness is stronger than the experience itself. As we get practice with this, we start to be less afraid of unpleasant feelings. There's less need to run from difficulty, and we become less attached to pleasure. We no longer feel so separate from life or um, alienated. There's more ability to flow with life, like water flowing. And it's interesting how 
the more we learn to be detached or not identified, actually the more we're able to be fully connected. And it, it can seem like a paradox. It's, it's very difficult to explain. This kind of attention, a quality of attention that can observe but be fully connected. We fully experience, um, but we're detached. And in this ability to have this balance of detachment and connection, the heart or mind becomes very light and buoyant uh, and joyous. And anyone uh, can learn to stand on the cliff and explore the waves of experience in their life, whether they're difficult tidal waves or soft, delightful ripples. Uh, We can do this with a warm, loving awareness. A mature faith isn't necessarily faith in life itself, but it's more uh, a faith in what we can learn from our experience. It's a faith in the freedom that comes from understanding life. It's a, it's a faith in this resting place of awareness itself. The practice is experiential, so it's really very simple in that we take one step at a time, one breath at a time, uh, and we just surrender to life as it is. We can't, we can't see ahead. We just keep going. There's a new book out um, of Henry David Thoreau's last works. Uh, And I'd like to just end this talk with something that he wrote. We might not do the same kind of thing he did on his retreat, um, but I think that he writes very beautifully about the maturing process that happens in this practice. There were times when I could not afford to sacrifice the bloom of the present moment to any work, whether of the head or of the hands. I love a broad margin to my life. Sometimes in a summer morning, having taken my accustomed bath, I sit in my sunny doorway from sunrise till noon, wrapped in a reverie amidst the pines in undisturbed solitude and stillness, while the birds sang around or flitted noiseless through the house, until by the sun falling in at my west window or the noise of some traveler's wagon on the distant highway, I was reminded of the lapse of time. I grew in those seasons like corn in the night, 
and they were far better than any work of the hands would have been. I love that I grew in those seasons like corn in the night. We take out this time in our life from the busyness of our life to pay close attention to our experience. Uh, And the mindfulness is this quality of attention I've been trying to describe that we bring to our life. It's invisible. And, And it's this practice of doing it over and over that brings a maturing process Um, that grows like corn in the night. It is invisible. We can't see corn growing at night. But we can keep going with great patience and tenderness and faith. And this faith brings wisdom, which liberates us. Let's sit for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.